Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. J.J. Voss was raised on a family farm in southern Saskatchewan, Canada. When he was eight years old, he picked up his dad's old flat top, and he was hooked. His latest single, A Letter to Dad, is a poignant expression of what it means to come from a multi-generational farming family. J.J. joins me on this edition of Americana Music Profiles to talk about growing up on a family farm and making music that comes from those memories. Hi, J.J. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be with you. Good to have you on. Good to talk to you this afternoon, all the way from uh, Saskatchewan, Canada. That was pretty good. Some people have a hard time saying that one. <laughs> I, I I have um, known folks over my uh, lifetime that are from that region, and um, a couple of friends that that live in and around there. So I've had a little practice. So <laughs> uh, right, uh, beautiful country, um, and um, uh, just love the. The vastness of of the region, and uh, so uh, must have been really interesting growing up there as a as a young child. Well, from a weather standpoint, it's never boring because it it changes constantly, and uh, and the winter months. Uh, we just got our first blast of uh, twenty five below <clears throat> zero temperatures right now, so uh, wow. that's never boring. Did 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 you guys just get a snowstorm? <laughs> did I read that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were getting hit with snow for the last few days, and then now the temperatures have, have dropped. So, wow. winter's here. Wow, wow, well, that's that's uh, and and you grew up there. You've been there your whole life, right? Yeah, I have. And um, grow, growing up on a family farm, did did you actually participate in the farm activities as a young child? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. We had uh, it was a mixed operation. We had cows. We had uh, er, er, when I was quite young, we had pigs and chickens and the the whole nine yards. So uh, ate a lot of what came out of the garden and pretty self sufficient. Yeah, wow, a neat way to live. I'm, I'm sure it probably didn't feel that way <laughs> at the time. No, it was a great way to it was a great way to grow up, and uh, it was hard work. We yeah. worked really hard, but yeah, when you look back on it later, it. It helped. Uh, I think it helped instill a work ethic in, in myself sure. and my siblings. Yeah, so I I read where you um, uh, I think you picked up your dad's guitar. Is that right? When you were a, a young child, eight eight or something like that. That's right. Yeah, he had a um, a national Duolian uh, Dobro. Uh, oh, cool! One of the old steel-bodied ones. Uh-huh. That, um, you, the front cover of uh, of. Um, who um dire straits right Very similar to that yeah okay uh, that's cool um was he an active player did, did he show you how to play or was it self-taught how, how did how did you go from there I, he just picked it up to uh he'd strum a few chords in the evenings just to wind down sometimes it was it was just kind of a diversion for him you know, a way for him to uh relax so he wasn't yeah by serious by any means he taught me a few chords and uh, I was pretty fascinated with it. When did it get serious for you? What was it? I was probably 11. 
I think I was 11 or 12 when I decided that I really wanted to uh, dig into the guitar and and start. That's kind of when the music button really bit. I, I shouldn't say that. Prior to that, I was um, from a young age. My first instrument was a fiddle at three years old, if you can imagine. Oh, wow. Okay. And my folks could see that I kind of had an aptitude or I had an ear for it, but there was nobody in our little area that was trained or that could really teach lessons or anything like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And pretty much every small town had uh, was churches and church organists, and mm-hmm. they tend to have some schooling behind them. So I I took lessons. I gravitated over to the, the Hammond organ, which um, oh, wow. uh, cool. you're not, when you're hitting your, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, you're not all that popular in school when you, uh, you're winning awards for most promising church organist. So <laughs> I needed to find some sort of outlet that uh, to, to so the beatings wouldn't be so severe <laughs> at school. <laughs> so I picked up the guitar. <laughs> Ham and organ is not a big chick magnet, huh? <laughs> well, it, you know, today it is. Like, it, yeah, <laughs> if we're playing with a Leslie and actually right? that vein, but not the double level uh, like the old. It was it was very church organ yeah a yeah. church organist was not a was not a cool thing I I didn't tell too many of the kids I didn't go brag into school about that <laughs> so but, when did it take on <laughs> um, uh, a, a musical form for you that you know you began to be able to play play with other people play by yourself and entertain what, what how old were you when that took uh, when that happened you know pretty early like. Uh, I would say I was probably 12 or 13 when we first started having little band rehearsals. In there was a couple other uh, kids around my age or a little younger. Uh, for some reason, in that wee little town, there was a little a community of us or a little clique of us that, like, sports were king in where I'm from, mm-hmm. and music was not really heard of. But there was about four or five of us that were uh, kind of really got bit by the music bug. So we would have band rehearsals, and they lasted a whole weekend. It was like we'd get off school yeah. Friday, and we'd plan <laughs> it, and we'd stay overnight, and it was kind of a sleepover, and a, yeah. we'd play music all day, and that's kind of how we learned how to play. And, yeah. and I wouldn't say we learned how to sing at that point, but we tried. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, what a great way to grow up. Wow, that's neat. So Yeah, you... it was kind of our way to fit in, I guess. Yeah. It's, 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 Sports were king, and the, none of us were really all that good at and didn't really care about it. So when did it become a career, something you pursued professionally? You know, pretty much right out of uh, right out of high school. I was really? playing on weekend weekend bands all through my, uh, from the time I was about 15 until I graduated. And then I think I went out, I got kind of, you know, starter jobs. I worked at a roofing company or building truss rafters for a few months. I knocked around with a couple of jobs like that, but I always had my eye on the prize. I mm-hmm. wanted to go on the road and play music. And I think it was about a year later. I think it was about uh, just turned 19, I believe. And <coughs> so you pursued it uh, full time? Uh, did or, or do? Yeah. 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 Okay. Although from, I guess from quite a few different angles. Um, at that time, when I started the high school bands and the, and when I went on the road right out of right out of school, I was a, a side guy. I was a guitar player, mm-hmm. so I was uh, the lead guitar player in these different bands. 
And it's, I'm from a young age, I always wanted to be the troubadour. I wanted to be the singer, songwriter, storyteller. My hero is Steve Earle. So I just completely, mm-hmm. you know, was, um, was just enamored with what he did. But for one reason or another, I, I just guess I didn't have the guts or I didn't, I, I don't know. I just, in a tiny little town like I was from, you didn't want to stand out even more than I already did. Right. <laughs> so I think if, you know, jumping up and saying, I'm going to sing songs that I wrote for you, I think would have intensified the beating. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think I was, at a certain point I was trying to fit in. Yeah, yeah, wow. And so you, at, at some point then in your young adult age, I, I moved out, moved on, and, and on the road and began writing songs, is that right? It wasn't until I turned my early 30s before I really dug in and or really faced what I wanted to do or what mm. I had wanted to do as a kid, mm. and that was write songs. Uh, I, I did that side guy guitar player thing for years, and we traveled across <coughs> most of Western Canada. <clears throat> when that bar scene dried up of playing six nights a week, it went down to being three nights a week. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was sleeping on people's couches, uh, and I, I had... Uh, got tired of that mm-hmm. so i came home and i had to make a decision was i going to grow up and get a real job or or how was i going to continue the dream right and at that point there was a, a nightclub in my home in the city uh city of regina uh that was still doing entertainment it was entertainment based and they put in a, a pretty serious sound system and lighting put in a pretty serious stage so I got a job there doing sound as a uh, um, production guy. Oh, so okay. I kind of went, I took what I, you know, my, as an amateur for all the years doing sound in all my, all, whatever band I was in, that's kind of when I went to school and become a professional sound man. Mm-hmm. So I focused on that for a couple of years just to, because it was a paying gig and it was still kind of involved with my, sure. you know, yeah. kind of still chasing my dream. And, uh, it was at that point, I was in my early 30s, that I, I wasn't playing anymore, and I was kind of having a hard time swallowing that pill. And it was then that I kind of had to get serious with myself, and I looked myself in the mirror, like, what did I always, from the time I was a kid, I wanted to write songs and, uh. and be a singer-songwriter and, and be a solo artist. So that was kind of when I started pursuing that. So I was probably, I don't know, 32, 33? Yeah. Did you have a knack for songwriting kind of out of the gate or was that something you had to cultivate you 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 know you said it was something you'd always wanted to do did it did it come pretty natural for you not really no it's hard work yeah and to this day writing songs is hard work uh it's very rewarding Uh but uh yeah it when i hear of people saying that they are they wrote a song in a half hour um, I mean, I don't say they, I don't discount that they, some people can do that, but it, that ain't me for sure. <laughs> do you have a routine? I mean, how, what does the process look like for you when it's, when it's time to write? <laughs> well, I think that's, I think you hit on it. I have to, I have to shut down from all the other facets of my career between uh, booking and promotions and uh all of the other because i I pretty much do everything myself i'm self-managed okay i have to shut my brain off from from that and i have to turn into you know creative mode Mm -hmm. and uh in order to do that i kind of have to have some have downtime from 
So I basically need to take a month or two away from from the the business end of it to focus on writing. Yeah, okay. I wish I didn't because yeah. it would make me a lot more uh, productive and, and more efficient, but that's just kind of how it's been. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, in 2008, I think I read that um, you had enough songs to produce your debut record, right? Yeah. I had three songs written on my own and it seemed like a waste of time to, press three songs onto a CD. So I kind of looked around for some, uh, some other songwriters that I'd met that I admired and songs that I, you know, aspire to write. And I included them. So it was a six song EP on the first disc in yeah. 2008. What was it like to <clears throat> finally I, get that in your hands and realize it was, it was, you know, something you created? Well, that, uh, yeah, I had to prove to myself that, I could create something that was on par with, you know, the people that I admired or looked up to. And mm -hmm. I didn't know if I could do it. So I kind of took the, um, the skills or the knowledge that I learned in being a live sound engineer and I transferred them and learned the art of recording. So I, I kind of went into it from scratch and, you know, computer uh, digital recording was just kind of coming to be. So I was learning how to use a computer and that at the same time. So it was, um, I mean, it was exhilarating. It was fantastic. And at the end of it, to have it in my hands, I was pretty proud of it. Sure. Yeah. So uh, that was followed by, I believe, um, 2012, you had another release and then uh, kind of a pandemic release in 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. The 2012 record, I went down to Nashville and I, I, I was... After the first record, I was, like I said, pretty proud of what we did, but sure. I realized that if if I want to put my music out to the world or get on a national scale or, you know, I, I, at that point, I wasn't going to be doing it all by myself. So I, I started to look to people that I trust and that I looked up to. And by chance, I uh, met Harry Stinson um, at a music festival, and I mm. kind of, I, did, I guess I didn't know any better. I just approached him and struck up a conversation and, asked if there'd be any chance he'd be if he would does he produce music for other people like and he says well i don't go looking for it but i tell you what send me your demos and that kind of started that process for over the course of about a year and a half mm. <laughs> excuse me and then once we had the songs that uh thought were pretty solid uh we went in and cut that record with him in nashville and it was that was an incredible experience i'm sure wow that's cool and and then uh, the 2020 album is that the one that you have currently out, or are you working yeah. on it? Yeah. Okay. And um and you've kind of found yourself having some pretty cool success with that record. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, um, the 2012 album, I, I toured the heck out of it for a few years, and then I wound up. I wanted to go to Europe. That was a dream of mine, so I went over there. Instead of focusing on writing new stuff, I kind of went doubled down and went over to Europe and I did a couple tours there. Then uh, I had some health <clears throat> problems crop up at the end of that. It's in 2016, 2017, uh, the wheels kind of came off. Literally, mm. I couldn't walk. I, ha wow. I had a, a disc injury. So I had to lay down for a year and a half and heal. And so in the music business, having a layoff between 2012 and 2012, 20 that's an eternity yeah it is that's so <clears throat> but i got my ducks in a row 
and uh, put together this record, and we had it ready to go, and then the pandemic hit the same week that I released it. Oh, man. So, I mean, my situation isn't unique. The entire music industry and the entire world went into shutdown, but it was definitely a tough pill to swallow because I had so much on the line, and I had put so much behind it. But, yeah, I I guess a long answer to that is I'm, uh, I'm quite impressed after that much time off uh, that it was that it was still people didn't forget about me and I was still received pretty well and it managed to keep my wheels turning I, I I have a career well four SCMA awards is pretty impressive um well thank you thank uh, you you know that, that and to to be off as long as you were and then come back with an album and uh, you know have the have it received that way um, uh, you know Roots Artist of the Year Video of the Year Male Artist of the Year and Roots Album of the Year um, you know, that's, that's a pretty good acknowledgement of, of the work that you did. Definitely. And I, I've always kind of had a shitty attitude towards awards. Uh, um, it's not why I do it. Sure. Sure. Why I do what I do. Yeah. And I've, I've admittedly, I've had a poor attitude towards it, but I will, I mean, I came around on it for me. It was, it was pretty validating and I was pretty insecure coming into it. Like, okay, does anybody want to hear from me anymore? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Am I... And yeah, for it to be accepted by my peers in the community and to be given a pat on the back, it it felt pretty good. Yeah. So the new single that's uh, out, I'm assuming, is from that record then, uh, A Letter to Dad? No. No, okay. No, actually, it, it's, uh, I'm starting work on, starting to look forward now. So uh, okay. it's, I'm beginning the process of writing a new record. Okay. So is this... Uh, so this is a song that is going to be on the new record. Or do you have it that far? Or are you just kind of doing them songs at a time at this point? Well, this this song was kind of time sensitive to me. I wanted to get it out uh, in the fall of this year for the fact that um, as this as the song, um, the storyline of the song is uh, our family farm uh, reached the hundred year milestone on yeah. September thirtieth. Okay. And so it was important for me to get the song out kind of right around that time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to nail it right on the September 30th. It came out October 14th. But to me, that was very important. Uh, I, I, I had something that I wanted to say. And I, so I approached it just like doing a single. Gotcha. Okay. <coughs> and and that is called A Letter to Dad. And, and I believe, uh, if I understood correctly, it's, it's kind of your response to his request to keep the family farm uh, in in the family, is that right? Pretty much. Well, he never he would never ever come out and and say it, but he always wanted us. He wanted one of us to take over the farm and to keep to keep his dream alive because yeah. he put a lot of hard work. You know, his his father and grandmother, and then my mom and dad. They put in so much work to establish this farm, and yeah. you know, they always wanted they always wanted one of us kids to take it over. Mm. So that that song is just released, correct? That's right. Yeah, October fourteenth. Okay. And so, what's what's on the horizon? Is this going to be part of a of an upcoming record, or will it just be a standalone single? I I will include it on on the upcoming record, and I think <clears throat> the my approach to the uh, in writing it and how it was produced is pretty organic and stripped down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not in the past my. My uh, albums have been a little lusher and bigger production value. 
I, I play a lot of solo acoustic shows, and uh, this is was a good representation of kind of what I sound like and okay. what I'm doing. So, yeah. I, going forward, my this next record is going to be a little more organic sounding and a little bit more stripped down. Yeah. So what's what's on the horizon for you? Do you have uh, anything on your music bucket list that you haven't? Uh, accomplished yet would you how how far out or do you um project in your career well I, I did dip my toes into the water in europe and then of course all of that other stuff uh, transpired in between the pandemic and such so one of my goals is to get back over there and and i also would like to establish a touring route in the u.s yeah. where if i could if i could come down south in the states and and tour for a month or two each year yeah. and then do the exact same thing in Europe and then the nice months when the weather's nice in Canada be here for like mm-hmm. four or five months to me that would be at that point you know those are some of my lofty goals is to have consistent work yeah. playing my own music to uh, and and being able to make a go of it you can only play the same places in your area so many times before you know your demand dries up so you have to build outwards sure yeah um so the new single again is a letter to dad what's uh where can people hear that what's the best way to reach out and communicate with you um it's on all the streaming platforms of course spotify apple amazon wherever digital music is streamed uh, uh we released a music video for a couple weeks uh after i think it was the 21st okay. of October. <clears throat> so there's a music video for it on YouTube. You can find me on all the social media sites. Uh, I'm, I'm even on Twitter. I don't even, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, TikTok, but I don't even really know what, why I'm on TikTok, but I am. <laughs> and I'm not sure but, anybody uh, does, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find me, it's just JJ Voss for any of for all of those platforms. I'd, uh, I'd love to hear from your listeners and, uh, and drop me a line and I'd love to come down to the to your neck of the woods and play some shows. Yeah, we'd love to have you too. Yeah, well, uh, congratulations on the uh, accolades, and certainly wish you uh, well with this new single. And excited for you on the upcoming record. And we appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today. Well, right on. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into Americana Music Profiles. The next episode starts right now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.